You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. It's amazing the depth of creativity we have as human beings when it comes to making stuff up. It's the most logical way to put it. A couple of weeks ago on my Thursday video, I had a normal crazy people story about a girl that we met when we first moved to France who owned or was in the course of setting up a small private hotel in the village that we lived. And she boasted to us how she was such a wonderful curtain maker. She was making all the curtains for the hotel and they would be of the highest quality. She also told us at the time that she had been a maths professor before she decided to embark on this new adventure. Now, a couple of months later, we were at a party with a couple of neighbors at which she was present. And she also had a friend with her, a friend from uh, the UK who had come over for a few days. And she introduced the friend to us as her best friend from the UK, who was an expert curtain maker and had gone to the trouble of coming over personally from the UK to hang the curtains that she brought with her. She'd completely forgotten the lie that she had told us some months earlier. A few weeks later, we were talking to another friend in the village whose daughter had been employed by this particular hotelier as a bookkeeper. Despite the fact that she had told us that she was a maths professor in the UK before she had moved to France, it emerged that she couldn't add two and two. As I said, human beings have an, an amazing propensity to make stuff up. But... We make stuff up and we believe it. How many stories do you tell about yourself or have you told about yourself or what legends have you built up about yourself, about, for example, your career or your business or your achievements in sport? How many embellishments have you added to the facts over the years that if you actually stopped to think about it, you now actually believe to be fact? We make stuff up so that we can fit in. We make stuff up so that we can gain the approval of others. We make stuff up so we look better in the eyes of others, because unfortunately, the normal human being doesn't look all that good when they look in the mirror themselves. This is an evolutionary thing, by the way. I was talking to a client yesterday who was making the point to me that he had just read some research where it was established, as it has been established for decades at this stage, that we will always choose the negative over the positive. Why? Because in evolutionary times, being that bit negative kept us on our toes, kept us alert to the dangers of life. Were we overly positive, we could become blasé, we could become complacent, we could have our head ripped off by some man or woman-eating beast of the jungle. When we sit at home on our own, when we look in the mirror first thing in the morning, generally speaking, when we're operating on autopilot, we don't like what we see. 
we're not comfortable with who we think we are. Research from Stanford University many decades ago discovered that if we were left in a room with no distraction, no windows, just left on our own, solitary confinement, if you will, for a couple of hours, we would become negative gibbering idiots. Now, that's obviously not exactly what the research said, but that's what it amounts to. Because we would turn in on ourselves and our own automatic piloted mind's propensity to select negative over positive would drag us down the drain hole. When we create these stories, what effectively we're doing is creating masks for ourselves. You know you wear masks. You know you wear different masks at different times. If you're out with the lads for a couple of drinks on a Friday night, or indeed out with the girls for a couple of drinks on a Friday night, you wear one particular mask. You are the life and soul of the party, or you're the quiet one, or you're the funny one, or you're this, that, or the other. You are doing whatever you need to do to fit in with the gang whatever gang you've chosen that you want to fit in with. It is, again, a defense mechanism. It is a means of ensuring that you stay close to the herd because the safety in numbers, and there certainly was safety in numbers in evolutionary times. When you're in the office, when you're meeting people, in particular, if you're selling to people, you put on another mask. This mask is designed in, in the selling context to ensure that you influence the other person enough to buy something, whether or not they actually want to buy it. We have a different mask for when we are at home with our nearest and dearest. We would like to think now, think about this for a minute. We would like to think that when we're at home with our nearest and dearest, we are completely ourselves. But given the work that I've done and the people I've talked to over the last 25 years, and given the conversations I've had with husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends over those years, very often people are still trying to either look for attention or manipulate because they don't feel worthy themselves. Think about that. Uh, ultimately, the whole thing is about gaining the approval of others or ensuring that we stick close together with others or ensuring that other people like us, other people give us attention because we are needy as ordinary, normally minded, automated human beings. I didn't say we're needy as actual human beings. What I said was, we are needy, we're needy and wanty, if, you, if I can put it that way. I want, I want, I want. I want your attention. I want your approval. I want you to like me because deep down, I don't 100% like myself. So we all have these various different masks. And if you stop to reflect upon it, you will know that you, as I said a few minutes ago, behave differently in different places to ensure you get the desired reaction and have the desired impact or effect. The terrible thing is, though, there's one mask that you will never really think about. There is one mask that is not something that you put on to fit the situation in which you find yourself. There is one mask which overrides or underlies all the other masks. And that is the mask that keeps you from understanding and knowing yourself. This mask 
we call it your personality because the word personality derives from the Latin word persona, which means a mask. This mask was fashioned for you when you were young and impressionable. And it was fashioned for you when you were young and impressionable for the very same reasons that I've just mentioned in relation to the variety of masks that you now have in your closet that you've fashioned for yourself over the years to fit any and every situation. During the third year of our lives, we realized that we do have to fit in, that we do have to cooperate and collaborate with people, that to get what we want out of life, we do have to negotiate with people, that on the odd occasion to get what we want out of life, we have to manipulate people. And therefore we learned during the third year of our lives what cognitive and behavioral psychology calls theory of mind, which basically means I have to understand how I behave because I've just realized as a two-year-old that everyone else has a mind of their own and I need to be able to fit in with them, I need to feel comfortable with them, and I need to get by. In fact, if you actually think about it, theory of mind is designed like all other things that are fundamentally designed in the automated mind to enable us make it through the day. What I don't want to do is have a row with one of the members of my herd so that a few of them gang up on me and kill me and eat me tonight instead of something else they've got. But the psychological fact of the matter is that regardless of the stories that you make up about yourself in later life, and regardless of the extent to which you end up believing whatever you've made up for yourself, as my father used to say, the truth is anything you care to believe, regardless of all of that, there is one fundamental mask that you never think about because you think it's you. I was chatting to a client a few days ago in relation to just how far he could take his business. It was a, it was a particular business call, how far he could take his business. And he said there were only certain distances any business can travel because we're wired in a certain way not to believe we can go any further. And I agreed with him on that front. We are actually not so much wired to believe that we can go any further, but we're certainly programmed to believe that we can't go any further. But he actually leapt to the conclusion that his programming was himself and that he had these inherent limitations built into him as part of who he actually and fundamentally was. No, they were just beliefs that he had. They were just things that he, and here's the important point, took for granted about himself because he had never stopped to question the most fundamental mask of all, the version of him that he thinks, body and soul, heart and mind, thinks he is. You are not who you think you are. You are not who you believe yourself to be. The thoughts that we carry around with us, and as the neural lab in UCLA calculates the 70,000 of those whizzing through our head every day, those thoughts all come from our fundamental learnings during our childhood years, the most fundamental of which, as I mentioned a minute ago, take place in the third year of our lives. The 70,000 thoughts whiz through our head, mostly subconsciously, so we're not aware of them. But really, when we put our foot in it or make a fool of ourselves 
or say something that we wish we hadn't said or done something that, you know, makes other people look at us and say, who the hell is this guy? Those are the occasions when we realize there is this body of so-called stored knowledge. It's not knowledge at all. It's just a bundle of thought that we're carrying around with us, our so-called baggage. That's the way most people refer to it. But mostly we're not aware of it because it's happening subconsciously, but it's happening subconsciously with the view of ensuring that we muddle through the day. And I use the word muddle very deliberately, because when you're in the zone, when you've realized who you are, when you've understood that your personality isn't you at all, you don't muddle through the day anymore. You sail through the day and you sail through the day effortlessly. But let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's come back to what I was talking about a minute ago in relation to the extent to which we actually believe this nonsense that we're carrying around in our heads. Now, it is nonsense because here I am, I'm recording this on the morning of the 28th of July, 2021. This October, I will be 63 years old. That means the 70,000 thoughts that I'm carrying around in my head were learned in the 1960s. They're nonsense because they've nothing to do with the here and now. Yes, they'll help me muddle through the day as a normally automated human being. But what's the point in that when I could be effortlessly flowing through the day? What's the point? What's the point in giving any credence to or attention to the nonsense I'm carrying around with me? So we have all these thoughts. But then people say to me, oh, no, 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 there are fundamentals about me that I just know to be fact. I believe in this. I believe in that about myself. Well, I have news for you. Any or every belief you have is a belief you think you have, because beliefs are just thoughts as well. They're bigger, bolder, more embedded, but they are just thoughts. They are stuff that you learned when you were young and impressionable by taking, what we've discussed before, psychological snapshots of events that made you feel good or bad about yourself. And as we said a few minutes ago, given our propensity to always choose the negative over the positive, we took more negative psychological snapshots than we did positive ones when we were young and impressionable. And as adults, we will always select the negative ones that we did take over the smaller number of positive ones that we might have taken during our childhood too. As I said, that enables us muddle through the day, but what's the point? That's not living. That is barely existing. If you're not using your mind the way you can, you're basically dead from the neck up. And on that basis, uh, you might as well lie down and get out of the way of the rest of us who actually want to live our lives to the full and want to enable other people live their lives to the full too. That doesn't mean that you have to go around as some kind of missionary, some kind of preacher, some kind of zealous trying to convert other people. Simply by turning up to your own life, as we said a few weeks ago on this podcast, you raise the game of those around you. You make a difference without trying. And that's the interesting point. I've used the word effortless twice this morning already. You do all this without trying. What am I talking about when I say do all this? I am talking about dropping your baggage. I am, I'm actually not. It's easier than that. I'm talking about your baggage 
evaporating. We have these 70,000 thoughts, some of which are beliefs. We pay automated attention to them every day. In paying our attention to them, we rob the reality of the moment of our attention, so we don't know what's going on. We try to make sense of what is going on in the here and now using stuff that, in my case, I learned in the 1960s and therefore have no idea what is actually going on now. So in paying my attention to my 70,000 thoughts, some of which are dearly held beliefs, I rob myself of my understanding of what's going on now and I rob myself of myself. But it's only because I'm paying attention to my thoughts, not because of the thoughts themselves. Very often when I meet a client for the first time, they want to go back and revisit their childhood. They want to figure out the things that happened to them that made them feel the way they are now or give rise to their everyday behaviors. There's no merit in doing that at all, because the past is a foreign land. You're going back to something that has no relevance to the here and now, once you stop paying it your attention. Yes, our thoughts, experiences, and our psychological snapshots that we took as children layered on an understanding of ourselves that has enabled us to get this far in our lives. But what has got you this far will not get you any further. What has got you this far will disable you in your endeavors to change your life or bring about even any little change in your life. Or if you do experience some change in your life, it will be awfully hard work. Bear in mind, I'm going to use the word effortless again. Bear in mind, we can live the lives that we would love to live and we can do it effortlessly by turning our attention away from the thoughts that divorce us from the reality of the moment, but most importantly, the reality of who we really are. A client of mine used the expression, the best version of myself a few days ago. And I'm not mad about that because I'm not talking about a version of you. The guy who turns up to the pub on a Friday night, that's a version of you. The guy who sits down with the in-laws for Sunday dinner, that's a version of you. The guy who goes out to sell something or make a presentation to try and woo a client, that's a version of you. The real you is not a version of you. It's the real you, pure and simple, full stop. To discover the real you, you simply, as I said a minute ago, have to stop paying attention to the 70,000 thoughts in your head. Those 70,000 thoughts in your head are like little white clouds whizzing across a beautifully sunny, blue, clear sky. They just whiz by. And if you could get to the point or when you get to the point, I should say, when you get to the point of just letting the clouds that arise pass, then what you will be looking at is actually the clear blue sky, the you free of all this other nonsense. But what we do as ordinary human beings using our minds normally on automatic pilot is the thoughts that are passing by suck in our attention, draw us in, and in particular, 
the negative thoughts, the bigger clouds, the slightly darker clouds, because of our propensity to choose negative thoughts over positive thoughts, to always look at the negative side of things rather than the positive side of things. When we give our attention to those gathering clouds, the clouds stop overhead, grow bigger and bigger. And like the really dark, thundery sky that is outside this morning, rain on our parade. But they only rain because we gave them our attention. They only have power over us because we gave them that power. We give them that power by paying them attention. Now, unfortunately, the thing is that the way in which we're wired as normal human beings is we automatically give these thoughts our attention. Because bear in mind, these thoughts are there to enable us to make it through the day. I used the word muddle earlier on. Struggle might even be a better word or crawl or claw our way from one day to the next, wondering why we can't bring about change in our life. You can't bring about change in your life if you are paying attention to the thoughts that are the same from one day to the next. How can you keep doing the same thing and expect a different outcome? It is the definition of madness. So you need to simply stop giving your thoughts your attention. It is as simple as that. We do this through meditation. It is as simple as that. I know a lot of people have misgivings about meditation or think it is the province of this religion or that spiritual tradition. Meditation has been widely investigated by cognitive psychology, but most importantly by neuroscience over the last 13 years. Meditation is the only scientifically validated way we have of engaging the parts of our brain that enable us to pay attention to the here and now, and in doing so, stop paying attention to the thoughts that hold us back. I repeat that it is so important. As things stand, the only way you can gain control of what cognitive psychology calls your attentional spotlight and shine it on the here and now instead of constantly shining it inward on your own thoughts, the only way you can gain control of your attentional spotlight is by meditating. The only way you can ensure that you are focused on what is going on in the here and now is by developing your ability to pay attention to what you see, feel, hear, smell and taste in the here and now through scientifically validated training that enables you to do that. Meditation. When we meditate, we to quote John Kabat-Zinn from the University of Massachusetts Medical School, we come to our senses. That is why, for example, if you're getting my Thursday morning videos at the moment, and there's 715 of them at this stage, or there will be tomorrow, the 714 at the moment. If you are getting the current set of uh, Thursday morning videos, you will see that we are going through a challenge, if you like, it's not really a challenge because we all have these five senses, or perhaps we have more than five senses. We're going through the census at the moment. And tomorrow we will be, I think, if my memory serves me right, we will be talking about listening. Last week we talked about seeing. We see, feel, hear, smell, and taste every day. We process almost none of that information because we only process what we expect to see based on our 70,000 thoughts or indeed expect to feel, hear, smell, or taste. 
But what if you started paying attention to what you're really seeing, feeling, hearing, smelling, and tasting? The more you tune yourself in to the reality of the here and now, the more you get to the point where the thoughts that have been holding you back evaporate. Uh, yes, that's an analogy I used earlier on. They'll burn off like mist in the morning sun. Why? They're not real. It's only by the attention you've been giving them that have you led your own self to the conclusion as an adult that you are who you think you are. As I said earlier on, that's not you at all. What you need to do is just let go. Why do you think this podcast is called that? We need to just let go. We just let go by breathing, noticing how that feels. By seeing a bird fly across the sky and just observing it. By listening to what somebody is actually saying and hearing it. By tasting the food we're eating. By mindfully eating. If you were to Google mindfully eating, you'd find a whole load of stuff on there. By smelling what we're smelling. It is oh so incredibly simple. You know, for all our neural brain power, for all the neural connections we have, particularly in the cerebral cortices, where we do all our thinking, in other words, where we, where we do all the stuff that actually gets in our own way, for all that neural equipment that we have, our brains operate incredibly simply. We live our lives and experience our lives according to where we pay our attention. It is as simple as that. We are built to pay our attention to what we expect to happen based on the expectations created by our own thoughts. It's just, it's just a process that the brain uses to ensure that I don't have to pay attention to anything so that should a tiger leap from the bushes, I can pay my attention to that. But that, that was cool seven, 10,000 years ago. What you need to do is tune your attention in to what your body is telling you. Your body is the only interface with the outside world, your body and its five senses. We may have more than five senses. We will talk about that as we go. But you're never going to experience reality until you train yourself to pay attention to your five senses. That's the key message in today's podcast. Meditate. It's so simple. I know people say to me, oh, I can't meditate. If you can breathe, you can meditate. Other people say to me, my head is so noisy when I try to meditate. My answer to that always is, well, that's a good thing, because now you realize just how noisy your head is with the nonsense that you've been carrying around in it since you were a child. And your head isn't noisy. It's just that you're paying attention to it and you turn up the noise in exactly the same way as people say to me after they've been meditating for a few weeks, Willie, I can hear the birds. And I say to them, yeah, but the birds have been singing all the time. And they say to me, but no, the birds sound louder. They only sound louder because now they are giving them all of their attention. Pay attention to the birds when it doesn't matter. And you are training yourself to pay attention to the important things in your life when it does matter so that you can know what's going on and so that you can do effortlessly 
what you need to do to live the kind of life you'd love to live. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-com 